in podcasts, you have one medium, right? You have the sound, that's it. And you have to figure out, like, you know, you have to get people to say something interesting or you have to get people to uh, tell a story in a way that makes someone go, well, I want to listen to the next minute and the next minute after and all of that. And, and I think that's a real challenge. Welcome to episode 180 of Be The Drop, a weekly interview podcast sharing stories from people who inspire and motivate others to help you learn how to tell your story. I'm Amelia Veal, Director at Narrative Marketing and firm believer in the superpower of storytelling. Podcasts provide a unique opportunity to communicate by sharing stories on just about any topic. As a scientist, you might think Ahmed Salim is more comfortable with written communication. However, as the co-host and producer of Exploration Radio, he believes that podcasting is the ideal medium for exploratory conversations. Ahmed describes himself as an explorer, economist and podcaster, but he's also an avid traveller. Born in Pakistan, brought up in Canada, he now lives in Australia. As a trained geologist, he's worked in places as far away as Magnolia and Greenland. In today's episode of Be The Drop, Ahmed reflects on his podcasting journey. He provides tips on how to start a podcast and discusses some of the challenges and lessons he's learned along the way to help you avoid his mistakes. This is Ahmed's version of Be The Drop. Are you considering starting a podcast? At Narrative Marketing, we deliver a full range of podcast production options. Or if you'd like help getting started to produce your own content, we also deliver podcast training programs. Hit the link in the show notes for more details. Good. All right. Well, we're ready to rock and roll. Well, Ahmad, thank you so much for joining me for our next episode of Be The Drop. Thanks a lot. Glad to be here. So you have your item of significance yep. and that is something that connects you with your story and gives us a little bit of context. So could you please explain it for us? All right, sure. Uh, so it's going to be slightly, I'm not sure uh, how weird it's going to be, but my item of significance is my passport. And the reason for that is that I was born in Pakistan. I grew up in Canada and now I live in Australia. And along the way, I've probably visited somewhere on the order of 55 to 60 countries. So a passport is probably, you know, like when you gave the brief, you kind of say, what's an item that has some significance to you as, as a person? And I guess the significance that it has is that I consider myself to be somewhat of a gypsy in the sense that I've lived in different places and I've traveled uh, for work and for personal reasons. So the passport is probably something that's been very consistent in my life. Uh, whatever passport I've had, whether it's been a Pakistan one or a Canadian one or now an Australian one. Um, so if there's one thing that would be quite intrinsic to my like, you know, fabric or my personality, it would be the fact that I almost always have my passport on me at some point. Cool. And it does also link in with your work life at the moment too, because you've got a few different angles going on there. Yep. Maybe you can explain some of the travel you've been doing recently for work. Uh, yeah. So, um, so I trained as a geologist. I worked uh, essentially outside. So I worked mostly for exploration and mining companies for a long, long time. 
Uh, I spent most of my career working outside of Australia uh, and, you know, mostly in the developing world. So you're talking like Asia, Africa. Now, recently, uh, I'm going to places even as far off as Greenland, uh, again, for mostly exploration purposes. Mm. So a lot of the travel has really been to... Uh, you know, like mostly sub-Saharan Africa, West Africa, worked in Mongolia for a long time, Papua New Guinea for a long time. So they are kind of the places off the beaten path, so to speak. Mm. And throughout your journey, you then decided to establish a podcast called Exploration Radio. Yes. So how did this come about and why? Uh, so those are good questions. Um, <laughs> so I guess, uh, you know, like I've I mean, similar to yourself, I was always a fan of podcasts. I thought it was always a, a good medium to have conversations. So the so the why we or why myself and my co-host started it is, you know, like I essentially work in a scientific field, and you know, like as scientists, we value written communication over uh, other means of communicating. And what I found is that I think, like you know, you you always write less than what you know. Like, you know, you always write what you do. Uh, whereas you, when you talk to someone, you tell them what you think or how you thought or what were you thinking. And I think there's a lot of this kind of tacit knowledge that gets lost in a lot of disciplines. And I think the reason why I was interested in the podcast is because it allows that kind of conversation to occur. That, you know, people tell you, kind of the stuff that they thought of, but may not really know how it connects. And and I think the real strength of podcasts is that it allows this conversation to kind of unfold. The fact that I really like the podcast is that I think you could have these, you know, like complex, nuanced conversations on topics that have many layers, things like that. Um, so that's what really attracted me to the podcast medium. Mm. What, how many episodes have you done now? So we're in our 30s somewhere. Yeah. Uh, I think 32, 33. Um, so for a long, long time. And so like to, going back to another point, um, it's like when you start, um, it's always daunting to go, well, should I make a weekly podcast or should I make a you know, um, bi-weekly podcast, monthly podcast, whatever? And I guess it'll go back to the point of what I said is that just start, like, you know, come up with 10 ideas, produce a, 10 episodes and put it out there and see what works and what doesn't. So for the first couple of years, that's what we did. We did two seasons of seven to 10 episodes and just wanted to see what type of interest we got from people. Uh, now we're going to go more into a weekly podcast because now we've kind of ironed out a lot of things. So... So, you know, so we've been very slow at producing content just because we were experimenting for a long, long time. So now I think like, you know, we're in a position where we feel we're comfortable with what we're doing. Uh, we're a lot more comfortable taking the risks that we're doing as well. So now I think we can scale it up. Like, and then how did you go about that? Or in another question then, I suppose, is what was the biggest challenge in setting up and starting a podcast? Yeah, so I think, I mean... Um, I think that's a good question because I think a lot of people, I mean, I even know people that are, that want to do a podcast, but it's like, you know, like first step, I want to do a podcast. What's the second step? Well, I don't know. And that's kind of the thing that I struggled with as well. Um, so the, you know, the way that we kind of went about it is that we just took this um, mindset that we were just going to experiment. You know, we um, like, you know, like, for example, if I kind of look at your podcast, like, you know, you probably had a lot of 
examples of podcasts that you could uh, follow. Like, you know, they were already in this space. Like, you know, you kind of had to figure out what was going to be your spin to that podcast. Whereas, like, you know, in our industry or the topic that we wanted to cover, there wasn't a lot of podcasts. So so we didn't really know, like, you know, what content would people find interesting? Uh, like, you know, so, so the challenge is, well, you know, the shift that we are talking about, do, will other people find this interesting? Well, I don't know. So let's produce a bunch of content, regardless of how good the quality of it is. And the quality was terrible at the start. Uh, but it was just more or less experiment with content, let's experiment with different recording styles, uh, different formats. So we kind of came up with this really simple rule that for the first like 50 episodes of our podcast, we were just going to do anything and everything that we thought was somewhat interesting in whichever way we could. Um, and I think that like, you know, you have to kind of take that view because otherwise, you know, we were in this trap where we were waiting for like the perfect guest and the perfect type of content to produce and uh, all this thing. It's like, oh no, the sound quality doesn't sound great and all of this. But I think the key is you just like start producing content and then you'll get better. Like, yeah, the first couple of interviews will be terrible. You might not use any of it. You might use some of it or whatever, but then just slowly start kind of interviewing people. Then you'll get better. You know, you'll figure out a way of kind of making the the technical side better, all of that stuff. So, so that kind of, that's how it kind of grew from that point. Mm. So then from a technical perspective along this journey, and you said, you know, the audio quality at the beginning was rubbish. Yep. So what, you know, can you actually specifically tell us what sort of equipment you were using and what you've evolved into? Yeah. So I guess, um, I mean, I think like, you know, this is a really good question because I think most people get stuck at this equipment part, mm. right? Um, so we, again, like, you know, uh, like the same way that we wanted to lower kind of the barrier to just starting. So we started with $50 mics uh, recorded straight into our phones. That, that's what we started with, uh, recorded straight into our laptop. You know, I don't have any uh, audio engineering background or anything like that. Um, I don't really have any, like, you know, I've done a little bit of video editing before in a past life, but no real background to it at all. So we wanted to start again, like as simply or as uh, easily as possible. So we had a uh, an audio engineer that, who's a musician who wanted to be uh, wanted to get into podcasts as well. So he helped us at the start, uh, basically just what equipment we needed to buy, and then we just started recording. Um, yeah, like our first interview was recorded at an office. Uh, we completely stuffed it up because we didn't recognize that an air conditioner hum <laughs> in the background. So when we clean that out, you know, it takes away like all audio. Um, so that was a screw up. Uh, but yeah, other after that, you know, we kind of started learning about like how to acoustically treat a room. So like some of the interviews we did at the start were done in my car in an empty parking lot with towels on the side <laughs> to acoustically treat. So like, you know, you didn't have like reverberations or things like that. Yeah. So which which um, software do you, do you settle on? Are you still using the same one now? Yeah, yeah. So we're still using Reaper, which is a freeware software. Uh, we uh, occasionally use Pro Tools. Like if there's someone a little bit more uh, well-versed than I am, they use Pro Tools. Uh, like mics, so, you know, we started with just kind of simple mics that you can buy, like an Apple store, like, you know, just plug straight into, I have a Mac, so that plugs straight into it. Um, then we progressed to a little bit more like professional equipment, like Shure mics, um, you know, started using tuners as well. Uh, but at the start, it was just basically, uh, record directly into the laptop, 
whichever means we could. And from an editing process, how did you go about that and what focus do you put on editing your episodes? Yeah, so we put a lot of focus. So we do our our own editing, most of it anyways. Uh, only recently have we started getting editors in. Um, finding good podcast editors is hard. Like, you know, like a lot of people that do music production are great at leveling your audio because they'll take out all the kind of the high peaks and things like that and they'll make it very consistent so it sounds very good. But they're not necessarily great at figuring out how the content should sound and what uh, interest it holds people. So this is the challenge. Like you can do a very scripted interview and you know exactly how to keep the viewer interested by getting that content. Or you can do it unscripted and know that there might be lulls in the conversation and, and then you might have to fix that in post. Like how you do that. I think that's, you know, that you have to decide which one you want to do. Um, and I think if you go unscripted, which is what we do, uh, or largely unscripted, the challenge is that you have to then move content around usually. Mm, yeah. And then, you know, particularly if you're editing multi-tracks, et cetera, et cetera, it can get complicated. But as you say, just start and build up that that's that right. skill as you go. Yeah, that's right. That's not to say, I mean, like, you know, like in your way, you have an editor that does it. So like there are different ways that you can do it, but it just depends, like, you know, like what, what is your comfort level? Mm. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, like if I compare myself to you, you started off at a different uh, line, uh, at a different level, because you already kind of knew how to create content, how to create like content that can be consumed by an audience you know, as part of your job, which is around marketing. Whereas I had no marketing background, so I didn't really know how do you create a product that would be consumed mm. by an audience. You know, I mm. never engaged like with an audience in that way. No, and I had previously done video editing, so I knew the editing bit was tedious. Yeah, yeah. I <laughs> mean, time consuming. I know. It is like, don't get me wrong, it is boring. It is really, really boring. Uh, Particularly if it's your own voice you're listening to and you're cutting. Yeah. I find that a challenge. I'm like, yeah. oh no, do I sound like that? Yeah, that's right. So there is a little bit of humility that comes into the process as well because you do sound, but because you find out how, how much of a noob you actually sound like, right? But but I think that, like, you know, it just depends, like, what do you want to yeah, get? Yeah, but to? that's a really great part of the growth process as well. And I think the key point that you mentioned there for me and certainly our experience is understanding how story unfolds, how to maintain audience interest, yeah. you know, because there really is that the arc of a story. There is a yeah. story arc that exists and you need to maintain that through audio content. And particularly, I think more so, with audio content because there isn't that visual stimulation and interest. You're relying purely on, you know, the sense of sound. Yep. Yeah, so that's that really needs to be engaged highly. Yeah, that's right. And I think that's a really, really important point that, you know, like in a film you have the soundtrack, you have the visual, like, yeah, you, know, you have like different shots you can bring the audience in and take them out, all of that stuff. In podcasts you have one medium, right? You have the sound, that's it. And you have to figure out... Like, you know, you have to get people to say something interesting or you have to get people to uh, tell a story in a way that makes someone go, well, I want to listen to the next minute and the next minute after and all of that. And, and I think that's a real challenge because, because if you do like normal conversation, there's always lulls in conversations, right? So you have to have like ups and downs. So when you record it that way, how do you then like, put it together, which still honors what the person wants to say because you kind of have control. Like, you know, you can make him say whatever you want by editing things out. But you still have to figure out, like, how do you 
Like, how do you put it together at the end in editing? So it still honors what the guest wanted to say, but says it in a better way that the audience will now want to digest. Mm. And that's really tough. I think that's, mm. that, that is a skill, I think. Yeah, 100%. So for, so for people out there that want to hire like editors, I think it's actually a totally legitimate proposition because I think like, yeah, if you don't feel that's your, uh, that's not your best thing that you can bring to this podcast or whatever you're doing, then yeah, sure. Always pair up with someone because they might be able to do it better than you can. Mm. But I think that the, the tip there is then make sure that they're, able to, to bring the story in, Correct. not just yeah. edit for an audio level, which is really important, yep. but it's about that actual, the cutting of it. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. And it's like one of the things that I often ask, so like now that we're using editors, uh, one thing I often ask them is like, when you listen to the audio, once you've done editing, I would like you to listen to the uh, piece again and just tell me which parts you found boring. Because even if you don't understand the content and, you know, a lot of our content is not directly related to everyone um but it's like what the, were they saying something that you wanted to keep listening even if you didn't quite understand exactly what they were saying and if you find any parts boring then you probably need to reshuffle things around because mm. if you don't want to listen to it it's not the fact that you're not digesting the content but if you found the way they were saying or like you know if one person talks for like nine minutes straight and you got bored then you got to figure out a way of trying to move that content around so so even you at least keep listening mm. because if you're not listening to it I doubt most other people are going to be listening to it yeah and then what about guests because you mentioned that you moved into you know approaching people that you didn't know um, didn't have relationships with how do you go about approaching them uh, just hound them until they say yes. <laughs> That's really the way. Um, but no, but I think like, you know, like I think most people, I think most human beings want to have conversations and most people I think are interested in having conversations. Um, what I really found, like, you know, what I found really interesting is like, you know, when I worked, uh, as a professional, I would contact people and go, Hey, would you like to meet just so we can talk about like certain things? You know, you're doing this, I'm doing this, let's talk and let's meet and kind of talk about what we're doing. And I would almost always be told no, because maybe because they sit in one company, I sit in another company and like, you know, there's some competitive tension between the two, et cetera, et cetera. But now when I contact people and go, hey, do you want to meet and have a conversation about what you're doing? Oh, it's for a podcast. It's almost always the answer is yes. Right. So this full journalist kind of thing that you do as a podcast allows you to just meet, I think, a wide range of people. So the, the, so the way one thing about convincing people to come on is the fact that when they know it's not a, you know, a direct commercial interest, I guess, or something like that, they're more likely to say yes. So that, I think, definitely makes it easier. Um, the other part, I think, is that, you know, like if you make it easier, like the one advice I would give people is figure out a way for the person to say yes, because the easiest thing for them to say is no. And often when they say no, it's never, no, I don't want to do it. It's just no, not yet. And that's the way I kind of look at it. It's like, oh, okay, well, maybe I can come back to you in a month when you have more time, or maybe you might become more familiar with podcasts and things like that. And a lot of people, you know, they like podcasts are now obviously growing in Australia, so more and more people are aware of them. But like three years ago, not a lot of people knew what, what podcasts were. Right? So just telling people like, oh, so what is a podcast? Well, <laughs> it's like, you know, it's a radio show, but it's like shipped through like your phone or your internet or something. And they're like, oh, okay. So that I think like, you know, just 
just whatever you do, like try to figure out a way, how can I get them to say yes, rather than say no, like, you know, maybe travel to them, maybe that makes it easier. Uh, like, you know, maybe offer to do it on the phone, if that makes it easier for them, whatever, however you want to do it, just try to get them to say yes, to try to lower that barrier, I think, for them mm. to say no, mm. really. And it's interesting because you mentioned the word, it's like a radio show, but delivered through your phone. And you have used the word radio. Was that very deliberate because perhaps in your industry and at the time of launching, there wasn't as much understanding around podcasts? Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Uh, I mean, like, like, you know, we came up with a number of names that we thought were a lot cooler. But uh, it's just that, you know, the the radio aspect, I think, kind of explained to people that it it is like, you know, essentially like talkback radio. That's really what we were kind of pitching to. And I think this is where, you know, like yourself and myself were, were different that, you know, you were operating in a market where the audience, I think, was a lot mature. And even the guests were a lot mature about what podcasts were. We started in a market where there was uh, like people were just not very familiar on both sides. You know, we were not very familiar with making podcasts. Our guests were not very familiar about what podcasts are. Uh, it's not something that was widely distributed in our industry. Uh, and, you know, we didn't really have an audience from that point as well that was avidly listening to podcasts at that time so um so yeah so we had to find like you know parallels of trying to explain to them mm. like you know like what it what is it that we're actually trying to do mm. and is it your experience that that has changed yeah i think so i think it's completely different now i think it's a different landscape um i think even i think if you just look at you know the statistics provided by whatever it is, podcast one or uh, infinite dial. Yeah, that's right. And they, and you can tell that, yeah, I think even like the uptake of podcasts, even kind of, you know, like the older generation, I always assume that, you know, the younger generation was always listening to them, but I think there's more and more consumption of podcasts, even in kind of the older generation now, because, because ultimately it's, you know, I think the way kind of media is going is that, um, you know, before we used to create, kind of like, you know, one formulaic kind of sitcom that went out to as mass audience as possible. But now the concept of, I think, media is changing to where you just create a lot of content that appeals to kind of different niche people. And, you know, you allow those people to consume it as much or as little as you want them. Yeah, self-curated on-demand content. Yeah, that's right. And like, yeah, and like, so like, you know, you don't have the kind of the, you know, the gatekeeper, so to speak, that have to decide like what is the content that we're going to create that will appeal to you know millions of people it's like well we have like you know a million people here that really like this content well great as long as we can produce it commercially uh we should produce it for this million and for the next million we'll produce something different and people will consume it whichever way they want so so i think that concept like you know it's definitely now coming uh, like oh it's already in podcasts that you know, name a name a topic. Um, like you know, I'm sure we can find a podcast on it. Yeah, like yeah. I think you'd be hard pressed to name a topic without a, uh, yeah, a podcast on it. And if you can, then you should do that podcast. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> that's the one niche that hasn't been exploited yet. Uh, well, thank you so much for joining me. In conclusion, though, can you share with me Ahmed's be the drop top tip? Um, I guess like like I said, I think the like the hardest thing about doing something new is figuring out how to start. And I think the, you know, it's always hard to, uh, to always plan for the end goal. And like, you know, my advice to anyone starting something new is figure out what is the least possible amount you can do to get moving. 
And that's, I think, the key is figure out what is the easiest thing you can do today that allows you to get uh, to to along the process. Perfect. Well, what a perfect be the drop tip because a waterfall begins with one drop. Exactly. Fantastic. Thank you so much. Perfect. Thanks a lot. Thanks a lot for having me. Thanks for joining me for another episode of Be The Drop. Don't forget to subscribe in order to ensure you never miss out on one of our weekly episodes. Be The Drop is produced by Narrative Marketing, where we believe that stories connect individuals and that powerful storytelling can positively impact the world. To unleash your storytelling superpower, visit narrativemarketing.com.au or check out our social links in the show notes. To contact me directly with any specific comments you have, you can email me via amelia at narrativemarketing.com.au. And don't forget that whilst a task or challenge may seem overwhelming, a waterfall begins with one drop and look what comes from that.